0: Emma, thanks for coming on. Great to have you here. Um, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. So look, we have a core philosophy here, which is really simple. It is that we believe that people should back themselves, and they should, if they have a passion, they should pursue that passion and control their own destiny. And you, look, we we are we are great friends out outside of work, and I, but I, I love. I love your journey and it's particularly inspiring because you absolutely went through that journey um, and had some bumps on the way that would have destroyed most people, but you managed to overcome them and it's an absolute inspiration. So look, I'm so glad you're here and hopefully we'll cover some of these things over the course of the discussion. But before we do that, imagine we're on a first date and you're introducing yourself to me and tell me what you do.
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, we would never be on a first date. Straight to second. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so my name's Emma Davidson, and I run a funds management business with my husband, Miles Stoudy. My journey is one where I was born in South Africa to a British mother, Zambian father, came over to the UK in 1999, Uh, got my first job straight out of school, um, and worked at Commerce Bank, it's a German bank, uh, was there for six years, and um, it was it was a really great experience for me. They gave me so many wonderful opportunities. And what were you we, we doing there? Well, in the first year, I, a very kind of uh, mediocre role. But within the first year, I'd moved on to the trading floor, um, and I was helping the traders. So, wait,
0: wait. So you so you went from so you literally rock up straight out of school, no finance background or whatever, and you just like I'm going to go and work at one of the biggest banks in the world, and you just rock up, and then within a year on the trading floor. That's the kind of let's th- not glaze over that because that's the kind of thing that people do: go to universities, they go to, they do their M, they, they do a degree, they do an MBA, and then they do internships, and then they get onto the trading floor. But you're saying you just rock up, you're like, oh I hey, mean, I'm in.
1: No, no, no. I was lucky. I was lucky. Commerce Bank was doing a school leavers uh, intake. And, um, so you 16, I w- no no 18. Oh, yeah. So, so I'd finished a- school. A- yeah, levels. yeah, okay, yeah. absolutely. I'd finished school in South Africa and, um, they were doing a school leavers kind of intake. They wanted to try and see if they could bring younger, the younger generation in and, and get them to do kind of the back office roles, if okay. you like. Yeah. And, um, there were three positions that were open and they had 300 applicants and um it was a 100 to
0: 1 tough odds
1: it was it was it was tough odds um it probably helped that i was a woman to be honest i mean okay i'm i'm always i'm always very supportive of the me too movement i've had many many times in my career where that hasn't worked out for me but perhaps yeah. that was one of the things that did help me um and it was just it was just luck and it was just persistence and I don't believe that. Work. I
0: don't believe for a second that it was luck, but you but carry on.
1: <laughs> and so within the first year an opportunity came up and the opportunity was to help the traders um procedurize what they were doing on the trading floor. And I just took it. Nobody else wanted to do the role. It was gonna be a lot of late nights, a lot of weekend stuff, but I took the role.
0: And again and why we, did you do that? Because you because you wanted to get into that and you just saw it as a foot in the door.
1: I wanted to get onto the trading floor. It's it where was, the magic happens, right? Yeah, it was it was super exciting. It was yeah. amazing. Really, really amazing. And, and that then, was
0: what, nine, when 99. was that? 99. 99. So, so still, 2000. It, there was, it was still as we see it in the movies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally, yeah. totally,
1: totally. And um, I, just, I just knew that I wanted to be there. And I guess, you know, that's the crazy thing about life. You know, when you've got a goal and you're you're really fixed on it. It's amazing what you can achieve. So yeah, so yeah Commerce Bank was great. Was there for six years and I will So you went
0: so don't 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 hurry up over this. I love this bit of the story. So you went from there, you were working in as a um, assistant. Assistant. And then within a year you were Trading? What was happening? No, no,
1: absolutely not. No, right, no. I was going to say. No, no, that would be a little bit reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no. Within the first year, I was on the trading floor helping the the traders. Yeah. Um, I was working on the warrants desk actually for for a, 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 an incredible boss.
0: I've got no idea what warrants desk uh, means. It,
1: it just means um, we we were selling products to retail clients. Okay, and fine. I yep. was helping. I was helping uh, that team. And it was it was really great because I got to um, mix with retail clients directly, speak to them, help the the, the traders and the salespeople. Um, and then within about three years, so I got I got my legs after about four years, I guess. And um, Commerce Bank had always struggled with UK coverage, maybe because it was a German bank. Yeah. But in those times, it was very difficult for the UK market to get anywhere. So, you know, we would had a, a range of salespeople that we would hire, Commerce Bank would hire very kind of senior salespeople from other big investment banks. And they just never seemed to get things off the ground. And we just lost our most recent UK salesperson. And I kind of turned around and said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, and, and Love yeah. Love that, backing yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And uh, look... It, I often think back to it and I have to laugh. I have to laugh at this... You know 20 22 year old 23 year old going up to the head of trading and saying you know I think I can do UK sales I mean basically none of the people that you've hired on huge salaries with huge experience they've not succeeded but I'm gonna back myself to try and succeed you know I,
0: I love that but I mean look I mean but why wouldn't you be more successful you know I mean it's uh yeah, I guess yeah so what you'd obviously you've been watching them do it you've been seeing mm-hmm. you've been speaking to the customers you understood the kind of pain points they were having or the, the reasons that that they were buying the warrants. Is that what the term? Well, yeah, yeah. Sure. So the buying the products and derivatives and so forth. You saw that, and then you're like, "Well,
1: I've got I, nothing I, to lose." Right? Yeah. well, What
0: have you got to lose? Like, you get fired, you well, get another job. Well,
1: exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think from their point of view, they were kind of like, "Well, listen, I mean, we're paying this girl nothing. So what have we got to lose?" So it became this kind of like, "What have they got to lose? What have I got to lose?" And I just went for it. And um, and I think, I think. I think that's kind of where hard work pays off, you know, if you can put in the grind and you can just go for it.
0: And, you, and you'd work your nuts off uh, I, or I the equivalent. Um, I,
1: I, I did, for, I did. For
0: like, for like before that and then when you got into that seat. Then I you, just went that's crazy. The, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, it, it's, it's a funny story because I can tell you the story of, of what actually happened to me about 10 years later. But 10 years later, I met the young salespeople who were at Commerce Bank.
0: You'd um, left by that point. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah, left, long yeah. gone by then. Yeah,
1: yeah. I prob- I think I'd actually set up Affinity by that point. But okay. I'd left by this point and um, a younger salesperson came up to me from Commerce Bank and they they ran up to me and they were like, oh, my God, you're Emma Davidson. And I said... The. Oh, hi. The hi. Emma hi. Davidson. No, no, I not love like that. that, not like that. And And I said... What do, what do you mean? He's like, oh, well, you know, when we first start, when we, when all the interns first start at Commerce Bank, we're given the example of you and how you got the first deal for Man Group in the UK market, how you got this first deal through. And I just had this moment of like, oh, wow, that is so incredible. Because it was an incredible story. The, the story goes that I just kept phoning people and phoning UK clients and constantly getting rejected. But I just kept going for it with the yellow pages. And eventually I got in with a very, very big hedge fund and I had a big meeting with them. And I convinced them to do this deal with Commerce Bank, which really how I did it, I'm not sure. Looking back on that kind of blind naivety, yeah. I have no idea how it came about. But it ended up being a hugely lucrative.
0: Um, There's something interesting about that, isn't there? It's an inch that that way of just saying, look, I'm, there's something certainly, I think there's a, a parity with a lot of people who are successful, whether it be in in, in sport or, or business or or something creative, it's, it's that you're constant just dealing with rejection, you know, because when you're on the sales floor, like you're there and you're just, the one who wins usually is the one who just has the most tenacity. There is part about having, you know, let's not be around the bush, like, you know, if you don't have great accounts, it's very hard to be successful because if you don't have the right people to sell to, but at the same time, the one that just puts in the hours and refines their skill set through that rejection and then tries to reassess and rebuild and then constantly learn, they're going to be more successful. And I love that that's now – I love that when the people turn up, they're like, guys, you got to do it the Emma Davidson way. No,
1: no. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it isn't like that. I really wouldn't want anyone to think it was that way. But it was just an incredible story of – you know, Comments Bank gave me the chance, and I'll never forget that. They were the ones who – whether they whether they saw something in me or whether they just thought oh f- fuck it let's just give her yeah. a go What's the risk, right? you know i don't know and i'll never know what the answer to that is but the put yourself out there you made yourself yep, evade it. and
0: you made yourself credible enough that they thought that the risk was Okay. Was okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so you left there. You left yeah. Commerce Bank because you were too successful. Or no, no, not, not at all. You. Not at all.
1: I was paid nothing. And um, I think Commerce Bank didn't catch well, that's up. Probably
0: why that's, that's, that's why they took you on, because they weren't paying you. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> totally. They are like,
1: this girl's for free. It's <laughs> brilliant. No, and, and Rabobank had, had kind of been watching me for a Rabobank, while. Rabobank,
0: big Dutch bank.
1: Big Dutch bank, yeah. yeah. They'd been watching me for a while. They got in touch with me. And in a matter of, of a few days, they tripled my total package, right?
0: I mean, that's hard to say no to. It's hard to say old no to. The package triple move. That's it,
1: that's yeah. it, that's it. And, and and it was very difficult for my bosses at Commerce Bank. And it was difficult for me too. I'd been there for so long and I loved them, but yeah. I had to take it on. I was at Rava for two years, worked for an amazing man there, really enjoyed my time there. Within two years, I was headhunted to Citigroup. And at the time, before the global financial crisis, there really was kind of like a tier one and tier two trading floor. Right. The tier two trading floors were... I mean, Commerce Bank and Rabo probably wouldn't appreciate me saying this, but they weren't the tier one. The tier ones were the Goldman's, the Cities, the Morgan Stanleys, the Deutsche Bank. I think
0: it's, it's much the same now.
1: But, uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, you know that. You know yeah. the world. Anyway, I was I was um, approached by Citigroup, and this was kind of like the holy grail of trading floors. Yeah, I was so flattered, um, and I moved to Citigroup in early
0: 2007.
1: Oh gosh. Oh god. Okay, oh who god. did? Arc. Yeah, Citigroup was, was um, the most incredible experience, one of the most incredible experiences of my life. It gave me some of the best experiences and some of the best people that I've ever met. We didn't meet at Citigroup,
0: so that doesn't make sense. We didn't meet, meet them. So, so, so not every... I take that back. Yeah, take that back. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you, met, you met some average people. <laughs> okay.
1: No, I met my best friend Emily and I met... Uh, Miles, my husband. Oh. I know, nah, I know, fine. I know. So that was amazing and also had an incredible, incredible experience there. Um, I probably wasn't my best self either, you know. I probably was full of ego, full of attitude, full of a lot of things. Um, but it, it was an incredible experience. And I think, you know, Citigroup is often featured in most of the mainstream films that are made about the global financial crisis – and in my humble experience a lot of those movies are very close to reality in terms of my own experience no
0: one else makes you to say but um, wow okay yeah. so it was it was a tough environment to work in
1: yes and, and it was um, completely inappropriate in so many ways right back.
0: you're talking about as a woman it was tough
1: no i'm just talking about obviously as a woman sure yeah. but um, you know it's it's a it's a trading floor of 500 people 90% men um, and and it just becomes a bit of a Lord of the Flies type situation, especially in a huge crisis like the global financial crisis. What
0: was that like? Like, I know, like, it's well documented, and sure. I think that you would have been, you know, now that you're 25, you would have been such a child. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but it would have been, it must have been intense, because you've been there a year when the shit hit the fat fan, right? There must have been such an, a difficult time.
1: Yeah, almost almost two years, so uh we had the crisis in end of 2008 yeah um and what was it like i mean everybody was terrified people were terrified for their jobs right i mean we <laughs> the thing that sticks in my memory i guess is my boss 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 so my big boss um at the time so now he's the head of trading for the for the floor uh, for the equity derivatives or the equity floor, which is where we made um, a lot of money, he he turned around and he said, "Right, you're going to call all your clients and you're going to say to them that Citigroup pays the wages of basically the whole army of the United States, so we're not going to be the ones that they let go." That was the kind of the kind of stuff that that I mean, it's so inappropriate. It's. Do you know what I mean? Like, but we had to do that. We had to call all clients and reassure them and tell them that, you know, we weren't going to be the ones who they let go to the wall. And then when it was announced that the US government was going to give um Citigroup, you know, $80 billion, everybody kind of breathed a sigh of a sigh of relief. And it, it kind of was that whole injustice of like, wow, this bank is really badly managed and um is, is is just is just being bailed out. It was, yeah, it, was it was
0: amazing. And and so, how long did you stay there after
1: that? For a while, actually. Um, so, it, funnily enough, the the impact of the crisis didn't really um, have an immediate impact on the floor. So
0: okay, that's interesting. Yeah,
1: we kind of continued business as usual, and it's amazing how the financial markets. Bounce back quite quickly from things like that, so we kind of continued business as usual. However, huge waves of regulation and um, improvements across the industry were coming our way. Dodd Frank, uh, the FCA was massively cracking down, all of which were good things. Um, and I think, I think to be honest, um, for me, for me personally. The catalyst came around 2010, 2011. That's when things really started to get ugly at Citigroup in terms okay. of that Lord of the Flies mentality, you know, of um, of people kind of desperate to hold on to their jobs. So, crazy stuff like stealing PL and stealing yeah. clients, clients and all that kind of stuff. A lot so, of people can
0: relate to that. And, yeah. think, and so, was that so? I know that then you left and you started up Affinity, you started yeah. your, your own baby. Were you entrepreneurial before that? Had you already, had you, was it, what had your experiences of being in Citigroup in that toxic environment, had that driven you to do it or you always had the vision of, I want to do this on my own one day?
1: I'm not, I am not a very good um, follower. I'm not a very good. I don't seem to take well to authority. Like I tried, I really tried mm. to become the corporate. My father ran a business, my mom and, my mom and dad both ran businesses and um, I always struggled as a kid because our our kind of financial security was kind of up and down because of that kind of entrepreneurial type. It's kind of the nature of it, right?
0: Yeah, totally, yeah. totally.
1: And I hated that as a kid. So I, I always remember the f- all I wanted to do was get a corporate job and be steady Eddie, you know. And I tried for twelve years to be the steady Eddie, to be the guy that, but I just never really conformed. And I wasn't good with authority. I didn't really respect people who were higher up than me if they, if I didn't feel like they were better than me. Or um, I, I just found it difficult to respect people that that didn't earn the respect.
0: I think there's definitely something in that. I think a lot of people can relate to it because there is. It's really hard when you're in a corporate environment, when you see people who are in position or in seat because of tenure rather than skill.
1: Exactly. And so you're like,
0: well, just because they've been here for longer, by virtue of that, we think that they're going to be more suitable for that role. And it's very hard, especially for someone as you who's obviously been so successful and competent, to look at that person and think, well... I could do a better job than them in this, but then because I don't have x number of years in seat i'm not I'm not allowed to do that
1: for sure um
0: and so you I guess I completely relate to that. and' obviously being surrounded by such entrepreneurial family you're it's always going to think to make think you know obviously there's there's a risk of this, but at the same time, like you get that thing of being your own master, yeah you know? and yeah. so so did you did that that helped be a catalyst to you obviously going and doing your own gig?
1: Yeah, and and, you know, just to come back on your point, i i I think that it's not only tenure, but it's things like some people are just better political players. You know, some people are just better at not saying what they think and saying the right thing. And I think you need that sort of politician way about you if you're going to survive, in a lot of the the corporate, world and I admire that in people, you know, I admire that. And and let's be honest, I was not the easiest person to control as an employee. So I I have I have a lot of empathy now looking back for the bosses that I had in the past who yeah. had to kind of put up with my fiery way of being. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying that I was the easiest person either. I just it didn't fit for me. And um yeah, I wanted to set up on my own. I took Emily who had been working with me at Citigroup we set up affinity capital and it was it was just it was just fantastic
0: in the current climate marketing is hard but you know what isn't hard making sure you never miss an episode of your favorite podcast so tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of unicorny or marketing difference you can even go back and listen to our back catalog of amazing episodes if you do that please leave us a review it would mean so much what was that like like going from the the you know, you're on you're on the trading floor in you know, it's tier one is exceptionally well paid the trappings of that corporate existence must have been pretty extreme sure. to then go from that and know that you've got a job for life there to be like i'm just going to go out and do this on my own that must have been it must have been quite daunting and quite frightening to do that to say look I don't know this is going to work or did you just have absolute confidence it was going to be fine
1: no no You, ne- I mean does anyone ever have absolute confidence I mean maybe some people do N- no not at all I mean for me I think many things were coming to a head a big catalyst for me was my father died suddenly in 2011 and I think that kind of promoted me to think to, to just go to my 80 year old self and look back on my life and say okay what what is it? What does my success look like? You talked about it earlier, right? I, I took a long, hard look at things and I thought I can either stay in this role, which I know is killing me. I know it's killing who I am inside or I can take the leap of faith and what's the worst that's going to happen? Mm. And I think it's just having that kind of What's the worst that's going to happen? There's something wonderful
0: in that phrase you said there. Like I looked at my eighty-year-old self. So, what was that exercise? So you just said, look, I'm going to look at you know m- 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 who I am in at that stage yes, yeah. and say, like, I want to look back at my life and this is what I want to be proud of. This is yes. what I want to have achieved.
1: Yes, I do it all the time. It's, yeah, it's one of my my big. My big things, and and now you know. At that time, it was it was just me, (laughs) but now I look back, and Miles is with me, my husband, and we are sitting on a porch, somewhere, probably looking at the ocean, and we're eighty, and we're talking about, or maybe ninety by that point. Maybe we're living to like ninety, and we're still still going strong, but we're looking back on our lives, and we are we are prioritizing, or we're, we're. focusing on what it is where did we want to spend our time what did we want to develop in our own personality what what things did we want to be doing and i just knew that i no longer wanted to be in the corporate world i didn't want to be surrounded by the people that i found myself surrounded by and i could feel that i was losing i was losing so many things so many so many large parts of value of my value set of of who i was
0: I think that's an an absolutely inspired philosophy and I hope people listening can take the same route. I think it's very easy to be seduced by... Um, the the almost terrible mantra that we get thrown at us as we're growing up like you have to get a job with a, a a job title that anyone can understand for a starter like you know if I try to explain to anyone like what you do they're like Ugh. you know whatever it has to be like you're a lawyer an accountant a trader or, whatever, or a banker you generically yeah. and I think you know everyone sort of falls into that category of feeling like I have to do that otherwise I'm not successful because yeah. that's what society has taught me I should do but then if you speak to someone who is in their 80s, they never talk about that. They just talk about their grandkids and the stuff, their hobbies and, yeah. you know, my my mother never, you know, she rarely talks about her, her career. She just talks about, you know, her freedom and the adventures she went on. And how and on. she's
1: developed as a human being. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, what does she learn about herself? I mean, for me, one of the... She's
0: slowly it... learning how to text. So well, that's, so I that, mean, that's a win. It's a big step. I mean... Pfft. She sent me. She sends me picture messages now. That's it. Uh, she's, With emojis. She, do, she does use emojis. It's terrifying. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, but boy. that's the point, right? I mean, it's like the tape's running out, right? It's always the same. You know, you know. I love Brene.
0: Brene Brown. Yeah. Brene Brown. You I love her, Brené and well.
1: I do a lot of work. I do a lot of work on myself, and I, I, I really, I think Citigroup was the catalyst for that. I realized that I had become someone who I didn't even recognize anymore, and. I started to do a lot of work on myself. I started to, to, you know, occupational therapy at work, um, a lot of psychiatry work, a lot of emotional intelligence work. Do you think
0: that's attributed to your success? Because we'll get on to what what you're doing now, which is insane. But do you think that's attributed a lot to that, that that process of, yeah, you've got the confidence to go out and, and pursue your own Uh, destiny and control it. But that consistent attitude you've got towards bettering yourself psychologically and your understanding yourself, do you think that's helped you in that journey rather than just the drive that you have innately?
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think if you are not questioning what you're doing every single day, then how on earth do you grow, right? And the only way you can question yourself is, to have a safe space within either your own mind or facilitated by a professional. Like for me, I speak to somebody every single week. Yeah. We have an hour together where I bring up the tough the I mean, I never look forward to it. People always say, "Oh no, I don't yeah, therapy's not for me." "Oh no, I don't." No one likes therapy.
0: No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
1: no one likes talking about the tough stuff. But no. it's going to make for a far more authentic real life if you, can, you. if you just can cut through the crap, you know.
0: I really like that. I think yeah. it's really good. And so now you're at this point where you are – you have done something that I I just when people explain it to me, it just feels so Hollywood. You know, <laughs> you're, you're you're launching a hedge fund like that. That kind of that whole thing, it feels like we're in um, a movie. So you and Miles are saying like we we think we can do it better than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> to be fair, that is so that is you you're you're way too kind. So I I ran Affinity for about six years. That was taking my skills from the investment banking side and. Um, creating, uh, creating what I was doing in the investment banks on the trading floor, but doing it from an independent basis. I did that for about six years. It was a really successful business. Yeah. Um, it was cash, c- a cash-rich business, but a transactional business, which 100% relied on me and Emily to constantly bring in the deals, which you'll understand that, right? It's not scalable. No. Um, in 2016, a lot of big things happened for us, for Miles and I. Uh, we, we got pregnant with our first child, um, kids had always terrified me. You know, kids had always been something that I... Because they
0: chased you. Th-
1: they chased <laughs> me, yes. <laughs> no. no, because I don't, I'd convinced myself from a very early age that I was never going to have kids, that kids were going to somehow destroy my career. Some people do
0: that, convince themselves they're not going to have it, and you yeah. think yourself, like, you're not... How? You just can you don't po- know. You've you got don't no know. idea. No,
1: but maybe you do. I think a lot of people do, and th- a lot of people are choosing not to have children. And there's and I nothing wrong with it. That. I can get it. There's nothing I, wrong with it. Listen, I... I get it. That was me 5 years ago still, you know. And I I think anyway, we we Miles and I spent a lot of time talking about life with kids, with life without kids and eventually we got to the point where we were like, you know what? We we want to we want to have children. We want to see what it's like. We want to have that human experience in our in our story, in our 80-year-old story. And so we became pregnant in 2016, rather I did. I became pregnant. And at that moment in time, we did the whole 80-year-old self thing and we looked at how busy we both were. Miles had actually launched Study Capital. He'd seen me do it with affinity. He says that one of the most inspirational things he's ever had with me is watching me just do the affinity thing and that is something that absolutely spurred him to – to, to do something similar five years later. Um, so he'd set up a Saudi capital with my help. And he was, he was really in his first year of setting up. And I was now five years into Affinity Capital. We were doing well. We very revenue, a lot of revenue coming in. Um, and it was, it was paying for our lifestyle. And we did the eighty-year-old self. Now we're pregnant. It's a different. It's a different thing, right? Yeah. You you you, you know that the, that the world is about to change, and we looked at it. And you know, we openly we had to have a very serious conversation. And this is the benefit of that therapy that I talk about, right? This is a preemptive decision, as opposed to the decision of you both being burnt out, not spending any time with your child because you didn't plan. And we both looked at it and we were like, listen, we're working 12-hour days. We're running these two companies. It's not feasible. It's just not going to work. So we have to make a choice. And looking back, the choice was actually easy, even though the affinity capital business was the one that had all the revenue and was the one on paper that we should support. It was the study capital business that we chose. And the reason we chose that was because, you know, Miles turned around to me and he said – Look, I need. I'm drowning. I need someone like you. I need your help. I need you to come over and work with me. By the way, I can't pay you anything, and I'm gonna need some money. (laughs) So it was a great proposition. That's that's, that's the beauty of being
0: married. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
1: But but somehow 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 it felt like the right decision. So we chose that company, and we've been running that now together for the last three years. And you're right, it is, it is kind of a hedge fund. We are a fund manager. Um, we have three and a half thousand shareholders in Australia. And um, it's one of the most fulfilling roles I've ever done, to be honest. And in terms of setting ourselves apart, I think this is the crazy thing. You, in the financial services sector, <coughs> as long as you can ensure that you are differentiating yourself from a robot, from what a robot can do or from what a machine can do, I think you have longevity. I think you have the ability to I love that statement. I
0: love that. I mean, because we're in a, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the tech world, right? And uh, the startup space and like everything's like tech, 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 tech. Yeah. But like if you, I love that, you know, but if you have something else if you have an incremental value which is that you can add to it which isn't just technology sure. then you you provide some longevity i love that That's a really great and controversial statement but yeah. i believe it
1: oh well, i and i and you know I, I knew you would and and i think we shouldn't be afraid of technology we shouldn't be afraid of things that are going to automate and make our lives easier we just have to keep thinking out of the box like how can i add value Um, And I think as long as you've got an idea or a role that is adding value and that cannot be replicated by machines, I think I think you should be okay.
0: I love that. So look, we're coming to the part of the pod now where we ask for you to impart some some wisdom to our to our people. So take yourself back and, you know, you're you're looking you're speaking to someone who's in a similar role to you uh, and that big corporate. Wheel, and they're going through, and they're having that, that moment there where they're thinking, Maybe this isn't right for me, maybe I need sure. to go out of my mind. What, what advice would you give to them, and what are the key things that you think have helped? Was the keeper's advice that you would give back to them there, which would help them
1: move on the right trajectory? I, I always struggle with giving advice, it feels crazy that I might actually be able to give somebody else advice. What, what I might do instead is, um impart the things that i tell myself.
0: Love it. I'll when take that.
1: when i'm in struggle, i guess. Um and some and and we've touched on one already. One of them is what is your success? So what does your success look like? Not what everybody else thinks. What do you want? What does your 80-year-old self look back on and is proud of? Um and, and really defining that in granular detail. So that, as you said, as you said to me earlier when we were chatting, when I finally looked back and thought about what it is that I want over the next 5, 10, 15, 25 years, whatever it is, suddenly the goal was so much easier because I'd actually defined what my success is, not what everybody else wants me to achieve. So I think that's one of the things that I tell, me all, I tell myself all the time. The other thing I tell myself a lot is pride is pride is the thief of success. So 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have been the person who was quite entitled, quite arrogant. I'd become quite arrogant at this point, I guess. And I would have told myself that I was above certain things, doing certain things. Whereas now I'm just I just get it done. I just do it. And I think that's what running a business is kind of has kind of taught me so just get on just get just do it and and just don't don't be afraid to muck in you know it's 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 one of the things I tell myself a lot to be honest um what else do I say uh I mean I think one of the greatest things and one of your previous previous podcasters mentioned it is that idea of just just going for it and having that naivety having the naivety to just take the plunge and just just run with it yeah. I think I think
0: that's that's I can absolutely get that's that exciting look I mean that that's all of that advice is is absolutely brilliant and you are a particularly inspirational woman and I'm so glad you came on and thank no, you for, thank for you sharing for having me and, I'm um, most grateful I wish you all the best of luck with Saudi Capital I mean the name we've got, I've got some problems with yeah you know, <laughs> but, uh, but apart from that um, it was
1: the only it was the only web domain that was free was <laughs> free <dude. laughs> All right.
0: Um, Thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it.
1: No problem. Thank you.